0: implement it in machines, we really have to be focused on ourselves first. And we have to understand how the human brain works and then emulate those principles pretty directly in machines. That strikes me as possibly true, but possibly not true. And if, if I had to bet, I think I would probably bet against it. Although even here, you seem to be not taking full account of what the human brain is doing i mean like we you know we can't partition reason and emotion as clearly as we thought we could hundreds of years ago and in fact you know certain emotions you know certain drives are built into our being able to reason effectively
1: i think that's you know i i'll, I'll take a exception to that i know i know this is a opinion that you had uh... Lisa Barrett on your program recently. Yeah, like Antonio
0: Damasio is the person who's banged yeah, I, on yeah, about this yeah. the most. Yeah,
1: I, I know. And yeah. I, I just disagree. I just, it's, you know, you can separate these two. And, it, and I can say this because I understand actually what's going on in the neocortex. And I can see what's, I, I have a very good sense of what these actual neurons are actually doing when it's modeling the world and so on. And, and you do not, it does not require this emotional component. It, a human does. Now, you say, you know, on one hand, I, I don't argue we should replicate the brain. I say we should replicate the structures of the neocortex, right. which is not replicating the brain. It's just one part of the brain. And so I'm specifically saying, you know, I, I don't really care too much about how the spinal cord works or how, you know, the brainstem does this or that. It's interesting. Maybe I know a little bit about it, but that's not important. The cortex sits on top of another structure and the cortex does its own thing and they interact. Of course they interact. And our emotions affect what we learn and what we don't learn. But it doesn't have to be that way in, in, in a system, another system that we build. That's the way humans are structured.
0: Yeah, okay, so I would, I would agree with that, except the boundary between what is an emotion or a drive or a, a motivation or a goal and what is a value-neutral mapping of reality, You know, I, I think that boundary is perhaps harder to specify than... than than you think it is, and that certain of these things are connected, right? Which is to, I mean, here's an example. This is probably not a perfect analogy, but this gets at some of the surprising features of cognition that may await us. So we think intuitively that understanding a proposition is cognitively quite distinct from believing it, right? So like I can give you a, a statement that, you can believe or disbelieve or be uncertain about. I can say, you know, there's 2 plus 2 equals 4, 2 plus 2 equals 5, and that can give you some gigantic number and say this number is prime. And presumably, in the first condition, you'll say, yes, I believe that. In the second, you'll say, no, that's false. And in the third, you won't know whether or not it's prime or not. So those are distinct states that we can intuitively differentiate. But there's also evidence to suggest that merely comprehending a statement, if I give you a statement and you parse it successfully, the parsing itself contains an actual default acceptance of it as true, and rejecting it as false is a separate operation added to that. I mean, there's there's not a ton of evidence for this, but there's certainly some behavioral evidence. So if you know, if I put you in a paradigm where we gave you statements that were true and false, and all you had to do was judge them true and false, and they were all all matched for complexity. So, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4 is no more or less complex than 2 plus 2 equals 5, but it'll take you longer, systematically longer, to judge very simple statements to be false than to judge them to be true, suggesting that you're doing a further operation. Now, we can remain agnostic as to whether or not that's actually true, but if true, it's counterintuitive that merely understanding something entails, you know, some credence, give, you know, epistemic credence given to it by default, and that to reject it as false represents a subsequent act. But like, that's the kind of thing that you know. That already, we're on territory that is not coldly rational. Some of the all too apish appetites have kind of crept into cognition here in ways that we didn't really. Budget for, and so the, the question is, just how much of that is avoidable in building a new type of mind?
1: Well, I, you know, I'm not familiar with that specific research, and so I haven't heard of that. But I, in, it, to me, none of these things are surprising in any way. You just if you start thinking about the brain, is basically trying to build models. It's constantly trying to build models. In fact. You're, as you walk around the, the, your, your life the day-to-day, moment-to-moment, and you see things, you're building the model. The model is being constructed. Even like, where are things in the refrigerator right now? Your, your brain will update. You open the refrigerator, oh, the milk's on the left today, whatever. And so if someone gives you a proposition, like two plus two equals five, you know, I don't know what the evidence that you believe it and then falsify it, but I certainly imagine you can imagine it trying to see if it's right. It'd be like me saying to you, hey, you know, Sam, the milk is on the right in your refrigerator. And you'd have to think about it for a second. You say, well, let me think. Okay, open fit. No, last time I saw it was on the left. You know, no, that's wrong. But you would walk through the process of trying to imagine it and trying to see, does that fit my model? And yes or no. And I can, I don't it's not surprising to me that it would that you would have to